Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Spiritual Success Podcast. Today I'm talking to the wonderful Alison Charles, who you may also know as the Rockstar Shaman. She's written an incredible book called Animal Power, all about the animal spirit kingdom. So animal guides are something which present themselves both in the physical world and in the spirit world. So you will find that there are some animals which just stick out to you or they follow you around or they're always landing on your windowsill or crossing your path. And I tell a story in this episode about how leopards have always stuck out to me. And then when I looked them up in Alison's book, because she kindly sent me a copy to read before it went live and got published, and I couldn't believe it. It was so true. So I talk about that more in the episode and crows and magpies have always been a huge spirit animal of mine. It's just such an interesting episode. It's a fantastic book and she also has a really interesting life story as well. So we talk about her awakening and becoming a shaman and other big realizations she had along the way. And we also talk about our journeys to becoming published authors because we both had a very long journey like all published authors do. So we talk about that and what it was like working with a publisher and channeling a spiritual book. So this is such a great episode. It's one of my favorites and I hope you enjoy it too. Welcome to the Spiritual Success Podcast with me, Liz Roberta, a place for spiritual people who want to grow, learn and succeed in life and a business. I'll be talking to successful spiritual entrepreneurs, authors and thought leaders to understand what creates a meaningful and soul aligned life. So come on in, Lightworkers. This is your time to shine. Hi, Alison. Hello, so nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on today. I cannot wait to learn more about your wonderful, wonderful book that is coming out very, very soon about power animals. So it's called Animal Power, 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. So at the beginning of the book, you did very kindly send me a copy of it to read and I just absolutely loved it. Had some amazing breakthroughs, which I will share as we get further into the conversation. But at the beginning of the book, you devote it to all of the loving guides who came in one day to provide my spiritual awakening. So can we start there? How did your spiritual awakening happen? And how were you guided into this work as a shaman? Ah, yes, it's a great place to start. So I am one of those people who did not go super smoothly, quickly, gracefully into my calling or into the spiritual path or hero's journey. I um, was very lovingly pushed over to that side. Uh, I had a divine intervention and simultaneous spiritual awakening moment, and it was a day and a moment very long in the making. And what was happening for me was I was in a previous relationship that was a very long-term one over 16 years. And, you know, that karmic journey with my ex and I, it just was filled with a lot of teachings, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of denial and illusion. Um, he was suffering and perhaps is still suffering from some addiction issues. And I was very much in a place of not understanding my own self-worth, self-honor, self-respect. So I was allowing myself to be entrenched in very unhealthy codependency. And so I share all of that because it can kind of paint the picture for 
a lot of the layers and dynamics that were at play that were inhibiting me from breaking out of a very pain-filled life and over into my divine truth. And because I was really struggling with that codependency and um, having a hard time exiting out of that cycle of toxicity, that's why it culminated for me to this one day where, you know, he and I had called off our engagement. I had moved to Brooklyn on my own with my cat, you know, was trying to start a new life over after having been with him for a very long time. So it was already a hard time. And then many months later, he had come back around and it sounded like he had had some really legit, powerful uh, realizations. So while I was a bit hesitant to give it another go on this particular day, we were about to venture back out publicly as a couple again. And it was at that point that all of my you know, spiritual allies blew the whistle and called in all the troops to um, stop me from starting this cycle yet again. And I'll whittle the story down because it is a bit long, but as I was walking back through my bedroom, you know, I was about to leave with him and he was asleep on the couch. So I walked back through my bedroom to just finish, I think my makeup or something. And uh, I heard a voice, my clear audience gift turned on and spoke to me in my right ear and said, you know, stop and turn around. And when I did stop and turn around, my eyes landed directly on his phone and I began to feel a massive energetic shift in the room, which in hindsight, I understand it was my angels and all of my supporters coming in to really hold that space for me. And when I walked over to his phone, the voice said again, uh, you know, brace yourself. What you're about to see is going to rock your world. And um, it was very abnormal for him to not have his phone at his side. When people have those behaviors, or you know, typically one of a couple of things going on. And so to have found his phone was was odd. And I also did not know the code to his phone, but like automatic spirit writing, something moved through me, punched four numbers in, his phone opened. I don't even remember the numbers to this day. And uh yeah. So this moment was my modern day shamanic cave initiatory experience of that Joseph Campbell quote, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And that phone was that cave. And when it opened, I was then presented with a lot of very horrifying graphic evidence of my greatest fear of betrayal. And, you know, while someone else might find very graphic scary proof of tons of different forms of betrayal. You know, it may be hard for them, but it may not provide a veil lifting spiritual awakening moment. But for me and my divine makeup this lifetime, me confronting that greatest fear was so cataclysmic. And one reason that it was me facing my greatest fear is I have done past life work. And I know in a past life, many hundreds of years ago, I was in another situation where my husband had betrayed me and was having an affair. And um, I was devastated. And I had convinced him to come back home to talk things through with me. And um, when he got to our house, it was just, I was so just devastated by what 
I had found out he was doing, it was not premeditated, but there was a knife in our kitchen. And I actually, in a past life, killed a husband who had cheated on me. And so I'm just sharing that, which I know, you know, can bring up a lot for people, you know, disbelief or judgment. But, you know, I do find sometimes it's important to share that just to give some context of like, past life residue and karma that can build into current lives, which explains why some moments can be extra traumatic for others and not so much for other people. So I was really working through a lot when I saw the evidence of his betrayal. And in that moment of seeing that proof, the veil lifted for me, all of the illusion and denial I had been really in and my egoic shell got obliterated and the energy was so strong it woke him up. So I'll close the story because there's obviously a lot of details by just saying that I asked him to leave, no longer contact me. Of course, I wanted to know how he could do that. He could not provide an answer. And then I flew to where I had grown up in Indiana and in the course of the next week had many, many additional awakenings. Other spiritual gifts came on board and um, it was at that point I decided to surrender. So to get to what guides came in, and I realize I'm talking a lot, but it's like the biggest life-changing moment of um, my life, so it's hard to whittle it down. But the main guides who came in at that point <clears throat> were Ascended Master Jesus and the power animal world. So I had four power animals, the black jaguar, the bear, the deer, and the frog who all came in. And every power animal holds within it different healing, medicines, attributes, wisdom teachings. And so those four animals were the precise recipe of healing medicines that I needed to get through that very, you know, topsy-turvy time in my life. And the bear really helped me to learn how to let go and receive support from the unseen realms and provided that grounded nurturing medicine. And the black jaguar is my core power animal that's with me at all times. And she really helped me uh, you know, step into my spiritual initiations and letting my spiritual abilities open back up. And the deer is all about heart medicine. So it taught me to not close my heart down as much as I might have wanted to. And it stayed with me for over a decade and actually played a huge role in me getting with my now husband and a healthy relationship. And then the frog is all about emotional waters and clearing toxicity and taking leaps of faith and leaps of movement forward because frogs do not jump backwards. So it helped me to stay the course and um, build a whole new life. <laughs> and you mentioned in the book as well that you were on the way to Bali and you were going to write another book, but then some power animals came to you. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, that was another really beautiful one. So I had been on the shamanic path. So once I surrendered and finally decided to get out of my own way and communicated to my own heart and soul and great spirit and great mother earth, like, okay, I clearly am not who I thought I was. I clearly do not know what I'm doing. Show me the way. I really got into devotion of heeding the instructions and calls from my spiritual team. And um, so I was walking this path and healing and holding to the point where the shamanic truth and calling that was always inside of me finally 
had some space to um, to activate and to communicate with me. And so I had been on that journey realizing I'm a shaman, you know, for quite a long time. And that's when I started to take meetings with publishers and literary agents to write a book on shamanism or mysticism. And I was really struggling to get clear on what that first book should be. And I took meetings and tried to sort it out for years, honestly. And I finally, finally got the right literary team. And my meeting with them, I landed on like, it's going to be a book on surrender because that was the decision I made that most changed my life. And the working title was Soul Surrender. And yes, I got on a plane, flew to Bali to write Soul Surrender. And on my first morning meditation, the power animal world, I mean, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of animals came to me the second I closed my eyes. And if anyone's been to Bali, you know that it's truly like heaven and the divine is anchored there. It truly is heaven on earth. So you don't have to work very hard to have a connection point to the unseen realms. And all of these animals rushed in and they said, that book you think you're writing is, it's a real cute idea and all. It's really great, but it's not the book. And we're asking you to co- write a modern day power animal guidebook with us. So I was like, oh my gosh, you have to be kidding me. And the irony, my first book I thought was going to be on surrender. So talk about surrender. I needed to really let go of that concept I had finally landed on and message, email my team and say, I really hope you all are on board with this shift because I live by the divine calls and I have now been called to completely change directions. Thankfully, everyone was on board with the change and then I wrote Animal Power for almost four years, and now I'm finally able to hold it in my hands and it's birthing out into the world. <laughs> four years. Wow, that's absolutely incredible. And I really identify with your journey there because I had three different book concepts. So I have this thing about threes. Threes are really a magic number for me. And I had three different book concepts. And it was the third time I applied and it was three years. There was just so many threes within the whole thing. But I was so behind. Oh, a crow just flew past my window as well. And that's another spirit animal of mine. I um, was so behind my other concepts at the time. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, no, I'm so embarrassed. I even sent that out like it was awful. But now it really was the kind of precursor that I needed to get where I was in the end. And I did take little bits and pieces from the old proposals that I did and the start of the manuscript that I would put together for the other two concepts and kind of weave it into the third one. But I do think, especially when you're writing spiritual books, like we are truly just the messenger. And I think that we create the books at the right time and in the right place. So something happened with me when I wrote my book. I basically got hoofed out of the town I was living in. I was living in Glastonbury in England. And I just had this heart center activation. I was working with a spiritual coach. And then within 24 hours, again, three things shifted in my world. My stepdad went into hospital for his alcoholism. I got my book contract. And then my landlord told me that I had to be out within a month. 
And I'd already kind of been feeling the call, like I need to go back to the beach. I grew up in a town called Poole, which is on the south coast of England. So I like grew up on the beach and I thought that was normal. (laughs) And then when I I grew up, I was like, oh, so what? You don't go to the beach every weekend, like in the summer. Um, And I was feeling the call to go back again. And then with all those divinely timed events, I ended up having to move back with a new book deal in my hand, move to the beach and ended up writing it by the sea. And the way I wrote it was literally walking along the coast I'd either take my notebook and I'd go early with a coffee in my Yeti cup or I'd talk into voice notes and I had to be by the sea. And then now I'm done. It's literally gone to print today, the day that we're recording this uh, podcast. Wow. Congratulations. That's a huge moment. When you get that piece of information that you can no longer make edits, you can no longer write anything else. If you have any other idea that comes in, like it is complete and it's going off to the printers. That's a big day. (laughs) It is. It is. And as you know, I mean, I'm sure there were so many, for me, there were so many edits going back and forth and back and forth. And now that's done. I actually just did my visa for America because I want to go to America at the beginning of next year. So I do think we definitely do need to be in a certain place to be in the vibration that we need to be to receive the idea for that book. So I absolutely love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And for anyone listening who doesn't know, can you just tell us a little bit more about what a power animal is? Do they reside in a certain dimension in the way that, say, angels do, for example? What is a power animal? How would you explain that to someone who isn't sure? Yeah, the beautiful thing about the power animal allies is that they're one of pretty few spiritual allies that can present both in the unseen world and the seen world. You know, and I think that that has positives and that has, you know, some some negatives to it just because, you know, we as humans, we might get used to like seeing a crow fly by and not even, you know, because it can be commonplace to see animals we can lose the ability to remember that they are our teachers and that they're these powerful mystical messengers. Now, you walk the spiritual path and have your practices and are a teacher. So when that crow flew by, you are in a conscious awareness field of taking note and being like, okay, crow just presented. I need to tune back into crow, you know, and perhaps when we're done with the interview, you'll you know, take a moment in meditation to ask Crow, like why it showed up again, what message it has for you. But a lot of other people don't even register. They just saw that a bird flew by their window and, and just, and it's not a judgment thing. It's just, I'm just sharing that that's the way a lot of people in modern day have grown to get acclimated to animals. And so That's one of the reasons I wanted to write the book was to remind people and share different rituals and practices and ceremonies that we can do to get back into that place of remembering their power, um, having reverence for the animal world, because every single animal working with power animals goes back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I mean, truly back to when the first human beings were were walking the earth, like watching the behaviors and learning how to commune with and communicate with 
the animals to help to empower our lives. So each one has different traits and wisdom teachings. And that's where, you know, it's our, it becomes our responsibility to take note if there's a certain animal that keeps presenting in our dream or in our waking life. If you open up a magazine and see a picture of a ladybug and then you are in conversation with your grandma and she, on the phone and she's like, oh my gosh, like I have a ladybug on my hand. And then the next day, uh, you know, you, you see them on your walk. It's like, okay, ladybug has shown up for me three times in less than 24 hours, I need to understand what this being is trying to teach me. And so you go to Animal Power Book and you open up, it features 100 animals and you open up to that entry and you learn. With each entry for the animal, I have their key word medicine attributes. Um, When I opened up the book, I do it every morning at my altar. The kangaroo is what came in today. And there's a beautiful piece of embodied artwork for each animal. And then on the opposite page, there's a category that says when to work with me. And so for kangaroo, for example, you work with it when you want to move forward, when you want stability and balance in your life, when you want to honor great mother earth, when you want to show true kindness towards children and animals, when you want to eliminate or move past distractions. And then I have a section called energy medicine, which are messages that the animal gave to me to put into the book. So for example, and I wrote them in first person, like the animals talking. So for kangaroo, I help you move in a bold way, working from your gut feelings and intuition. Do not look or move backward. I urge you to focus on what is ahead of you and take powerful steps in that direction. I remind you of the importance of being grounded and connected to great mother earth. You'll move forward best when you feel centered and strong in your body. So that's just a few of the many. And um, then there's a power practice with each one. And that I did so that if you're feeling a really deep connection, like I know for you, um, I'm sure you're going to bring it up next. You had mentioned this deep resonance you feel with leopard. And so these power practices are different rituals, visualization techniques, meditative practices that you can do with each animal to really learn how to connect with them in a very deep way. And then once you start to get familiar with what each animal represents, you learn how to call upon the animals to support you in different passages, rites of passages through life. You know, if your heart, if you've just gone through a breakup or you've had a really challenging conversation with a loved one, you might want to call deer in and ask it to like provide whatever healing medicine you need for your heart or to help you move out of any anger or pain or resentment so that you can as quickly as possible move back to a place of forgiveness and unconditional love. And so those are some of the examples of how, one, the animals can show up to try to get our attention, but it's our job to take note of that and then do the homework and read up as to why and how we can call them in um, to help support us. I was actually going to tell this story next. So you picked that up very intuitively. I'd actually already scrolled to the page of Leopard because we were talking about this just before we started recording the episode. And I was telling Alison how much I loved the book and how she says at the beginning to really think about what animals you've always been drawn to or that always show up for you. And I've always been drawn to leopards or drawings of leopards. For example, I am putting together some boxes to send out to bloggers with my publisher uh, with my new book in. 
and I bought some note cards that I'm going to handwrite for each one and they have a leopard on and this is kind of a common theme I had my diary with leopards on and I just really love them and when I scrolled to the page in your book that has leopard on the keywords are embracing your uniqueness knowing your power activating confidence leadership independence intelligence persistence And I was sat next to my husband, who is not a spiritual person, and I read that to him, and he was like, wow, that is literally you. And that embodies entirely my life path of having to get comfortable standing out on my own. Been very persistent, had a lot of challenges, especially growing up, and just really being independent and trying to basically push past the need to fit in and the need to be accepted and any kind of people pleasing because I had to stand out on my own as a spiritual person because it's just not the the life that I was born into or the community that I was born into at all. And so when I read this, I was like, I just cannot believe this. And I, I can't believe it took me this long to even find it, but I've just never even seen those meanings before or never even thought to look up leopard. Whereas for crows and magpies, I have a magpie tattooed on each of my feet because of the saying, one for sorrow, two for joy. And they just follow me everywhere. And they're such a kind of symbol for me and a messenger and same for crows. But for some reason, when I read your book, it really gave me that realization. And obviously, it was the time that I was meant to realize that Leopard had always been a part of me and had been showing up for me in this way. So it was really incredible. And I just can't wait for more people to read it and have similar realizations, because I think the power animals we're drawn to just reflect so many of our own strengths and so much of the power that we have within as well. Totally. And, you know, it, that honestly, moments like this have been the part of this book process that have just brought me the deepest joy and gratitude because I do have a few copies, um, you know, at, at home here. And so uh, in Austin, Texas, where I live, there's a huge spiritual community and I have a lot of friends uh, that do, you know, different types of medicine healing work. And so I've been able, you know, to bring it to different gatherings and to watch, just to observe, you know, to hand it to someone, then walk away and just watch what their experience is and what moments of connection that it provides to them and for them to bring, come back over to me and and say, you know, whatever, whatever came up, I, that just to see the, the living breathing medicine and, and divine power that is held in this book in action in real time. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, all those years and all those fires and initiations that I had to walk through to get to this place uh, where Animal Power Book exists, it definitely makes it all worth it because, I mean, to me, it's one of the most powerful moments one can have in life. You know, you've always had this connection and this, um, yeah, this magnetizing draw to Leopard. And for somehow for my book, after all of these years of you feeling that to have been the vehicle to connect that dot for you that now you know that perhaps, perhaps Leopard is your core power animal. You know, I most recommend um, people determine who their core power animal is, the one that walks with you your entire life through doing a guided shamanic journey with a trusted shaman. And in that journey, you can set the intention to meet that core power animal. But whether it's a core animal or just a a long-term ally for you, 
it adds so much strength and power to your path in your life to know, like to have that dot connect. So thank you for sharing that that happened for you. Of course. And I can see already you're going to get so many messages and aha moments and wows from people having the same kind of realizations because it's clearly channeled. And like you said, you worked with the Power Animal Kingdom. So I'd love to get a little bit more into the process of putting this book together. Because what was that like for you going into this container? How long did it take? Did you have any specific writing practices? How did you co-create this book with the Power Animal Kingdom? Yeah, it was such, such a voyage. You know, it's interesting. I I don't remember how or when the clarity came in, in terms of the format, in terms of having, you know, the keywords with the art and then having those sections of when to work with me, the energy medicine messages and the power practices. Some of the animals have really cool myths and legends and um, like scientific facts along with them. I'm trying to see which one I'm just flipping through. Oh, like um, I'm on the macaw entry. And at the bottom, um, the macaw has two cool little like factoid sections. One says a vocal bird, true to their bold extroverted energy, macaws vocalize for five to 10 minutes several times a day and are so loud that they can be heard from as far as five miles away. They're also a symbol of sacred union. The Bororo tribe of Brazil considers the macaw to be a messenger of the gods and ancestors and a symbol of sacred union. This is rooted in the fact that macaws mate for life. Um, And then along with those cool little sprinkles of magic, I also invited 25 other spiritual teachers and shamans from around the world to share a really personal story of a connection or relationship with an animal that's really changed their life. And so there's just been all sorts of different layers of powerful divine medicine that got infused into this book. And I would really, you know, I really tuned in. I I remember calling in because, you know, there's billions of creatures, right? And so to whittle it down to 100 um, was definitely a process, but I was very methodical and surrendered. You know, I called forward whichever animals whosoever in medicine was meant to be in this book to serve the highest, greatest earthly good and different journeys and meditations, I would let them reveal and I would just build that list one animal at a time until 100 were there. And were there some that I thought would show up and I kind of wanted to be in the book that didn't? Yes. And were there some, you know, like vice versa, but I I really trusted the process Um, And it was also cool, like I have a very deep relationship with the leech and um, I've also had some really reverent experiences with the tick. And, you know, in working with a major publisher, I'm not saying what I'm about to say in a negative way at all. It was actually very medicinal and powerful in a positive aspect, but it's, it's a whole other ballgame when you've got a whole team of people that also weigh in and have expertise, you know, in the book writing process. And then when you're a shaman who, you know, is a medium and I have a very, very clear connection to my own soul and heart and to great spirit and great mother earth. And I truly, you know, I am the vehicle for what they tell me to do. Like God is my boss type of thing. And so to be in that kind of dance of, you know, knowing 
that there's an absolute certain way that this book needs to go out in the world, but then to have others, you know, come in and ask questions and, you know, should, does the leech and tick really need to be in there? And for me to hold that line and say, you know, I'm really glad that you're asking, but yes, you know, um, in shamanism, we don't shy away from things just because they might be uncomfortable or bring up uncomfortable feelings. That's actually where we lean in and accept, you know, the, the totality of, of an experience. And then the last little piece that I'll share about was the art. Uh, because, you know, as I shared, every single of one of the 100 animals has a very embodied, vibrant, bold piece of art that goes with it. And that was a huge piece. And I knew, I was like, I, I'm going to have to take my time with this because I really had to have whatever artist we decided to bring in, someone who was capable, because to me, embodiment is the absolute key to walking a spiritual path. And I knew the artist needed to be someone who would have the capabilities and capacity to really hone in to the medicine messages and the transmissions that I was sharing and trust them to create an animal who embodied those teachings. And it was a collaborative effort between my publisher and I. We would share different artists back and forth. And as soon as I saw the artist who I decided to work with, William Santiago from Brazil, as soon as I saw his art, I knew he was the one just intuitively. And then when I learned that he lived in Brazil and the Eagle Condor prophecy, you know, is another piece of the embodiment of this book is, you know, the energies of the Eagle in the North uniting with the energies of the Condor of, of the South and, and coming together to support greater oneness and, and consciousness amplification for the world. And I knew that he was representative of that South medicine and I'm representative of the North. So all these pieces came together. Um, and he did an absolutely incredible job, was so receptive to any notes that I had. And the, the irony is that he didn't speak any English. And so it was really just such a deep spiritual relationship um, that he and I walked through, um, you know, yeah, it, it very powerful. And I will share that William actually passed away right after completing all of these works of art for the book. It's his last legacy is, is held here in Animal Power. He was only 30 years old. And um, upon completing these works of art, he transitioned to the other realms. And so Anytime I have the opportunity to just speak his name and honor his legacy and to thank him again, I feel his presence a lot. Um, the day that I got the news that he passed away, I went out on my balcony to honor him and thank him. And he appeared as a massive hawk that flew just right above and beside my head. And um, I knew it was him. And we actually created some limited edition posters of the hawk artwork that he created for the book. And we placed the hawk in the poster and I, and I explain in an in a honoring message at the bottom of the poster how he came to me and, and what hawk represents. But yeah, I'm really doing my best to, to honor and keep his legacy alive because it's a very you know powerful experience to have with someone. Oh my goodness. What an incredible story. That is phenomenal. And you just have to look at the front cover to be blown away 
by the art. I mean, it is phenomenal. The colors, the style is so unique. I mean, I can't even imagine what a job you must have had trying to choose the image for the front cover because they're all fantastic. I mean, every single power animal has a full page color image and they are all just so, so stunning. And I know what you mean when you're talking about working with publishers and how it can be tricky. And it's such a huge blessing to have a publishing deal and such an honor that loads of people will will never get. And, you know, that's such a shame, but it is challenging at times. And like you said, you don't want to be disparaging of the publisher, but it's not just you on your own creating what you want to create. You are then working with various different editors. And if you get something through the first editor, then the next editor (laughs) might have a problem with it. So it's this constant push and pull and push and pull. And and for me, I got really triggered by the process because in my last life, I was in Vietnam and I was in the Vietnam War on the Vietnamese side. And I was only 17 and I was trying to tell the leader of my troop intuitively. I knew that this attack wasn't going to go well that we were planning and they didn't listen. And they were like, no, stand down, stand down. We're not going to listen. You're young. We're not valuing your opinion. And I made a run for it in the middle of the night and they all got killed. And I truly believe that, you know, maybe that challenge was coming up again in this lifetime for me to stand up for myself even more than I did in that lifetime, because I knew what the words had to be. I could feel what the right words were when they wanted to change a sentence or take things out. I was like, this cannot go. This is right. And you do really have to fight for it. And I imagine as well, I know that printing in in color is something that publishers aren't always crazy about because it is very costly. So were they okay? about printing in color and how did you go about finding a publisher did you pitch to a lot or did you manage to get in on your first go yeah I love that we're having this um, much detail of this process because I actually really love to share about it very honestly because I know what a voyage it was for me I mean from the time I mean I knew I would be an author from the time I was a little girl so there's that. And then from the time where I got aligned with my true divine calling and path and started to take these meetings to the time that I held Animal Power Book in, in my hands for the first time, it was probably from, from first publisher meetings to getting book in my hand, I'm just doing the math, it was probably almost a decade. And so I really like that we're going into the nooks and crannies of the book writing process. Um, So for me, so I was simultaneously taking meetings with publishers because this was while I was living in New York City and I was there for about 15 years. And I was taking publisher meetings and I was taking meetings with different literary agents. So the the pathway that opened up for me was I aligned with two agents. They worked in the same agency and they both wanted to work together together. Uh, with me for my first book. And I really, that felt good. I had a male, I had a female. They both brought just like different vibes. And I love that I had two agent brains, you know, (laughs) where most people only have one. So once I signed my agreement with them, um, they were very supportive. They're seasoned pros, um, you know, represent Gabby Bernstein and other, you know, top spiritual authors. So I knew I was in good hands. And so I worked on my proposal and um, they helped, you know, make sure that it was strong and clear and concise and had all the necessary ingredients. And then it was up to them. Um, it, it then became their job to send that proposal out to 
all, all of the publishers, you know, I know there were so, so many that they sent it out to, and then they lined up, my agents lined up all of the meetings that I would take with these different publishers. Most of them obviously in New York city or in LA for all of the meetings in New York city, my agent and I went around in person walked through Hay House's door, walked through, you know, Penguin Random House's door, sat in person in these these meetings to discuss animal power. And the other unique thing that I will say is that it was really important for me that I wanted to work with the publisher to would agree to do animal power book and animal power card deck. And so that was unique um, because I knew I wanted both and I've actually completed animal power card deck. And so that will come out after the book's release. So right there, it started to kind of reveal when I would take these meetings, it eliminates a lot of publishing options because not all publishers like to do card decks and not all excel in it. And then there are some like who I ended up working with Chronicle on the West Coast they specialize in art-driven, beautifully, uh, you know, artistic, heavy books and card decks. And so I took all of these meetings and then all of the publishers who wanted to work with me and wanted to co-create Animal Power with me got into what they call is an auction. And they all put forward their offers of, you know, the contract, all the detailed agreements within the contract and the book advance number. And then my agents presented to me one day and they said, okay, you know, by noon, all all of the publishers who want to work with you have to have their offers in and we're going to present them to you. We'll give our recommendations, but ultimately it's of course up to you. And so on one day we went through all of the offers and yeah, we decided to um, to go with Chronicle, and I'm so grateful. You know, I had a really powerful experience with them, and and while they did, you know, bring up questions, um, they always respected and and honored me and my work very deeply. And at the end of the day, when I was very clear um, in holding the line for certain things, they respected it 100% of the time. And I honestly could not be happier with the book. The fact that I ended up with the publisher who specializes in art and illustrations. And that was one of my questions about the, the tons of color. I was like, I really envision just like the most vibrant, bold, like, are we going to be limited to like only four colors? And they said, absolutely not. Like we work with the full gradient spectrum of color options. And if one animal needs to have 50 different colors in it, we'll do it. And I was like sold, you know, because I knew I could be in my fullest expression in all, in all capacities. Incredible. And I'm interested to know, do you feel like you have another book in you? Are you going to write Soul Surrender one day? Because I know that for me, when I was writing my first one, already I was getting words through for the second one. Mm. Is that the same for you? Or is this really going to be your, your masterpiece for now? Well, it's interesting. Part of me does. I mean, I... I honestly kind of collapse from exhaustion. Oh, I even feel it very emotionally just saying that. So, whew, yeah, when I got word that my, the Animal Power book was going off to the printers and it was like on a mind, body, spirit, soul level, my being for the first time in four years knew that it could cease holding this massive space that it had to hold to birth a medicine book of this capacity. 
I really kind of truly collapsed from exhaustion and I have never felt it that way. And I'm, and I'm a former two-time national champion distance runner. Like I know extreme pushing to the highest capacities and I have never felt a level of exhaustion that I did um, the day I knew that my book was complete. And I would even say to my husband, like, I'm so exhausted. I feel like something's wrong with me. But it was literally, I just finally understood. I had been holding to hold a, the space for a shamanic medicine book to, you know, get on paper the way that it needs to. And I had to embody everything that I was teaching in there because that's what I, that's how I walked the path. So I couldn't be out of alignment with any, with any piece of it. And so I really was so tired, but at the other side of it, I do feel other creations coming in. You know, I have Ceremony Circle podcast. And so that brand, you know, Ceremony Circle is is very big for me. And um, and then one other small quick story on my podcast, I interviewed uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, one of uh, his daughters co-authored a book with her sister called The Knowing. And when I was out on the balcony researching and writing my interview questions for Serena Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer presented to me, he is, he passed away, um, a number of years ago, but he came to me and was right there and speaking to me and I could feel his presence and his words so powerfully. I, you know, got blasted open. I was crying. He offered to mentor me from the other side. And the second that I said, yes, a download for another book came in. So I'm like kind of, you know, on this 50, 50 thing of, rejuvenating myself and regenerating my battery and honoring the time, the postpartum time that I need to restore my health while also having ideas and support from Dr. Wayne Dyer on the Unseen Realm. So, you know, it's it's both things at once. <laughs> what an incredible story. And at the back of my book and the acknowledgements, I actually thanked Louise Hay because I said that she came to me in a dream once. She visited me in a dream and it was a weird dream. It wasn't like she came down in a gown and said, you're going to be with Hay House. She was definitely there, but there were rats on the ground and they were chewing this cable. And it wasn't, it wasn't the normal kind of dream you'd expect if you're going to have Louise Hay visiting you and you're going to get published by Hay House at some point in the future. But it was definitely a visitation. I mean, we all know what a visitation dream is like. She wasn't just in my dream. Her soul was visiting me while I was asleep. And so I thanked her at the end of the book. So that's so incredible that Wayne Dye came to you. He hasn't visited me yet, but I do have some of his books and I know that those two were, were great friends. So I'm going to have to listen to that interview on your podcast. I bet it's absolutely incredible. He adored his children. Definitely. Yeah. To, to get to meet him and to feel his energy. And then to have the opportunity a couple of days later, when I sat down with Serena, she flew into Texas um, for me to interview her. And uh, so to sit with her in person and to say like, okay, I have something very vulnerable that I'm going to share with you. Your dad came to me the other day. I hope that that's okay. And she's just like, are you kidding? Tell me everything. And, you know, to be able to tell her, because I asked him for signs because as many years, many lifetimes that I've been on this path as a sage, mystic, healer, shaman, I do, I still do regular integrity checks. You know, I know what it's like to live in a place of denial and blind spots, and I never want to be operating from that place again. So I'd asked Wayne a number of times to show me a sign that it's really him. 
And he showed me signs. He he flew from the tree that was directly in front of me. He flew out from the top branch as a massive blackbird. And I told her that and her jaw dropped and she said, that is how my dad reveals. He comes to, my mom is a white bird. He comes to me as a red bird and he came to you as a black bird. And so, and I wouldn't have known that had I not had the opportunity to tell his daughter. And so, so yes. And I, and I learned later, I, I, I don't know if this is a fact because I heard it from someone else that I guess Gabby Bernstein shares publicly that Dr. Wayne Dyer had also mentored her. And I, I was like, is this a thing? And then I've also heard that some other people have been visited by Louise Hay and that, that she has supported them in their book writing process. And I just think it's so cool because, yes, they were uh, very close friends. And, you know, so shout out to both of them, thanking them, honoring them for being willing to work with those of us who are continuing to carry these torches and to support us and staying strong and clear. Um, so thank you again, Dr. Wayne Dyer. I appreciate your presence and um, continue to welcome you into my journey. Absolutely. Wow. This has just been so incredible. I can't wait to get a physical copy of your book and also your card deck as well. That's going to be stunning. Your your leopard is on the cover of the card deck. <gasps> oh my goodness. Meant to be, meant to be. Yeah. I'll be keeping an eye out for that. Can you tell us where people can get a copy? And obviously there's some great freebies as well. So can you just tell people about that? Sure. You go to my website, which is alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And my name is spelled a bit uniquely. Allison is A-L-Y-S-O-N. So alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And on that page, you have a ton of different options. If you're someone that prefers independent bookstores over Amazon, or if you're international, all of those options for um, where to get your book are there. And then if you scroll down to the middle of the page, there's a form where you can submit your information and you'll instantly get sent a free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate where we call your current power animal forward so that you can talk with it and meet it and receive energy medicine blessings from it. Um, I thought, you know, there's no greater thank you gift than that, um, you know, to allow people to be journeyed into the unseen realms and to see what animal has just been waiting in the ethers to empower their life. So you can do all of that at my website. Incredible. And the last question, which I ask all of my guests is, what is your favorite thing about doing this work? Mm, ah, God. Okay. Something flashed in instantly, but let me just tune in deeper. You know, I, until my awakening, I, I could, of course, could never understand the power, the capacity of what it means to truly live in devotion to divine instructions, to live in devotion to having, you know, great spirit and great mother earth as your boss and to be able to get out of your own way. And, and I truly live in that way. You know, each step I take, each decision I make every, that sounded like that 80s song, every step you, you take. take. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, that really is how I live my life. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be the steward anymore. And it has brought me the wildest miracles, the deepest peace. I, I truly lived the most remarkable life because I'm not living like just for myself and from what my mind or ego wants for me. I'm truly tuning in 
to divine and to the center point of source and, and asking to be shown the way every single day. So all of my offerings, whether it's an event or, you know, a guided journey or a book, it's like, it's coming from that place. And that allows me to let go and to trust that whatever is transmitted through is what is meant to serve the highest, greatest earthly good. Cause that's always my intention. So that is my favorite part is learning what that most powerful co-creative dance is like to be a human, to be a shaman, who lives in accordance to what God goddess tells me to do. Um, pretty amazing stuff. What an answer. Thank you so much, Alison. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to subscribe to this podcast. I'm sure that like me, you would love for more people to know this information. So if you leave a review and send me a screenshot of it on Instagram, which is at I am Ms. Roberta, you'll get a $50 voucher code to use on one of my online course launches. This won't be around forever. So go and leave a review now and I'll see you next time.